Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 335 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. That is the truth. We're going to dive straight into the review part of the show here. We're going to start last Friday, the 11th of March, at the Montreal Casino in Quebec, Canada. An Yvonne Michel card, of course. Um, yeah, just the main event, really, to mention. We had Gabriel Maestra, who was 4-0, former interim uh, world champion at... One, uh, one forty or one four seven. I can't remember now. But anyway, he got in with the undefeated as a pro, uh, former Olympian, Taras Shelestzuk, who um, I think I remember being in London just just before Regis Progray boxed Josh Taylor, because I believe he was sparring with Progray, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, he got in with uh, Gabriel Maestra, who. In his last fight, should have lost to Michael Fox, but obviously got the decision in one of the worst decisions um, I've ever seen, which I seem like I'm saying almost every month now. It's, it's it's a bad state of affairs, the officiating recently. But anyway, Gabriel Maestra here with a draw, a split draw over 10 rounds. A lot of people, I think, were saying that Maestra deserved it, uh, deserved to win the fight perhaps, but I didn't watch it. So I apologize to anyone listening about that one, but um, it was hard to find a stream for that one. And yeah, Gabriel Maestra now 4-0 and with a draw, and Tarash, um, Taras Shelestzuk, oh man, I'm really butchering that. He's 19-0 and with a draw. Anyway, moving out now to York Hall, this one was also on the Friday. Uh, we had a good fight between, let's just talk about the main event really, it's the only fight worth mentioning for me the main event Chris Bork from Streatham now 11 and 1 sorry 10 and 1 he lost the unanimous decision over 12 against Mark Leach who has you know upset a couple of prospects now he's now uh, 17 sorry 18 and 1 with a draw that one there for the vacant British super bantamweight title very pleased for Mark Leach who of course I believe trains out of the Jamie Moore gym Nigel Travis very good for them because Mark Leach is a good fighter, obviously now British champion. Um, and, you know, in that gym, obviously with what happened with Jack Catterall the other week, it's good to kind of have a bit of good news or, you know, something good to happen in that gym. So please for Mark Leach. Um, really good fight as well, by the way. Um, you know, dangerous fighter, Mark Leach. Uh, this one took place in Nottingham at the Nottingham Arena. This one was on the zone. If you haven't seen it, you've got to go and check this fight out. Let's start with 
The undercard, firstly, um, a win for Kalmin Agyarko, now 11-0, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Juan Carlos Rubio, who's now 18-2. That one was for the WBA International Middleweight title. Elsewhere on the card, Terry Harper with a win on points over 10 two-minute rounds against Yamila Abelanadeda. Ab- I don't know what's happening to me today. I-, I feel like I'm butchering a lot of names. Yamila Abelanadeda. Sounds like a pasta. Um, anyway, this one was for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Female Lightweight title. Good win there for Terry Harper, who got cut as well uh, in the third round, but a good return to winning ways for her. She's now 12-1 and with a draw. Um, Sandy Ryan, a female fighter, I think trained by Clifton Mitchell. She was 3-0. and She's lost her O. They stepped her up a little bit too soon, it would appear. She got in with Erica Farias, who I believe is a former either one or two-time world champion. Um, Farias had a point deducted as well in round 10, the final round of these 10 two-minute rounds, but still it wasn't enough for Sandy Ryan to get it. Um, A split decision loss for Sandy Ryan. Um, Yeah, so Erica Farias, very pleased for her to not get, you know, robbed or hard done by on the road in the UK where it's so likely to happen, unfortunately. But good stuff for her and Sandy Ryan... You know, she can go away and, um, you know, improve, come back. There was a lot of hype around her, man. You know, she she is a good fighter. And I can't take that away from her just on that one performance there. But we'd like to see a rematch, I'm sure. Um, before I get on to the main event, I've saved this fight here uh, to kind of mention last. But certainly not least on the undercard, Gary Cully with a win. He's now 14-0. A KO in round five against Miguel Vasquez, who's now 44-11. Unbelievable, I've got to say. Um, down once in the third round, Vasquez, and and knocked out. Um, so impressed with Gary Cully, who you know doesn't really have the build of a puncher or anything like that. I know that you can't really read into physiques and builds too much when it comes to punching power, but I tell you what, he can bang. He's a six foot two southpaw, and I tell you what, he's a complete, complete problem. A good few wins in a row now. He's got a lot of momentum behind him, and to knock out Vasquez, I mean, it simply doesn't really happen. Let's have a look at who he's been knocked out by. He, he uh, retired on his stall after nine rounds against Talani and Bengay. Other than that, the other loss came to Josh Taylor. You know, he's been the distance with Mickey Bay. He's been the distance with Tim Bradley. He's been the distance with Canelo. He's been the distance with uh, Argenis Mendez, um, O'Hara Davies, in which he beat him but didn't get the decision. Lewis Ritson, in, in, in which he beat him and didn't get the decision. There was no need for any judges' scorecards this time. Gary Cully... Man, I'm so blown away by how impressive he was. I mean, what an emerging Irish talent. And if you're Irish listening to me now, you've got to be super excited about this guy. I mean, he is he is such you know, such a good fighter and I think is a future Irish superstar. I mean, he's just got to be built correctly. I guess marketing wise but other than that what he does in the ring he takes care of business in the ring as long as someone's taking care of business outside the ring for him this guy honestly sky's the limit for him I'm loving what I'm seeing and the main event Lee Wood now 26 and 2 a TKO in the 12th and final round over the previously undefeated Irishman Michael Conlon who's now 16 and 1 um Lee Wood down in the first round, Conlon down in the 11th round, which 
I guess, kind of looked like a slip. We're still not too sure. And then, of course, in the 12th and final round, Michael Conlon knocked unconscious and then out of the ring, and he landed on the floor, um, a hard landing on the concrete floor outside of the ring. I can't even describe it. An absolute crazy fight, and certainly on the shortlist for fight of the year. Um, I felt early on Wood was kind of... Uh, I think this was the first round. Wood was like controlling the round until he he got caught with that you know that last punch of the round, which was an overhand left. You know, I think uh, I think Michael Conlon gave him the eyes downstairs and then you know ducked down through that that overhand left and it caught him square on the chin and you know Wood goes down. It was a nightmare start. It was a huge knockdown as well. He really he really hit the deck hard. Um, in the second round, he came out. He, he still didn't look like he recovered. Lee Wood, the champion, um, you know, took a few more really big shots. As the fight was going on, um, it was just getting better and better of a fight because Lee Wood was coming back into it a lot more. He was investing in the body of Conlon, which was an interesting, um, clever, now looking back, tactic, which I guess was, you know, motored by Ben Davison in the corner. Um, I felt that Michael Conlon was doing sometimes a little bit too much holding, but then at times I felt that Lee Wood would smother his own work. Uh, Conlon was, you know, on the ropes at times getting nailed with shots. Um, And Conlon as well, you know, especially on the inside. He is a vicious fighter, man. Oh, my God. On the inside as well. And he was outsmarting Lee Wood for massive parts of the fight. He was winning the fight, let's be completely honest, until the late stages. Um, He was in full control, you know. It was only that Lee Wood started to come on strong late on. But other than that, Michael Conlon pretty much had it in the bag. And I felt that on the inside, you couldn't mess with Conlon, even though people felt that that was where Lee Wood's best... Um, Lee Wood's kind of best chance was on the inside. And at range, I liked what Conlon was doing as well, you know, doubling up the jab as well at times. So Conlon was fighting a really smart fight early on. And then, like I say, as Lee Wood got back into things, he drops Conlon, a bit of a dubious knockdown. It was, again, the last punch of round 11. So it was a lot a lot like the, the first round knockdown where Wood was on the floor. It was the last punch of the round. As soon as he beat the count, he went back to the corner and got the minute between rounds. Same thing happened here in round 11 for Michael Conlon. However, it did very much look like a slip but a punch did land so you kind of have to give it it's one of those things you have to give even though it looked like a slip and probably was a slip don't think he was really hurt Adam Booth in the corner went absolutely crazy because of course that would have been a 10-8 round for Lee Wood which he would have really much you know very much needed at that point in the fight if he were to try and win on on the scorecards because he was behind you you'd feel without that 10-8 round um and and yeah, so in the in the twelfth and final round, that's when Lee Wood just decided to 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 empty the tank really, and he knocks Conlon out. I think Conlon was kind of ducking and weaving on the ropes, taking a few shots, but then he ducked right into what looked like. Um, still, people are a little bit confused with what shot with with which shot landed. I think it was um, like a, it was a temple shot. I'm not sure if it was a right or left hand. Now I can't remember exactly, but you know, a perfectly placed shot that. Conlon ducked right onto and he was completely gone and you know Lee Wood gave him about two or three more as he was punching him through the ropes out of the ring and as soon as he he hit the floor um, the referee I believe it was Steve Gray waved it off and of course rightly so he was completely out same kind of he was out the same kind of way Tony Bellew knocked out 
um, Ilunga Makabu, where he was kind of crouched down, like hunched down, you know, crouching and, and completely gone. It was like that, but of course, on this occasion, Conlon was punched through the ropes. Um, yeah, a mad, mad fight. The comeback was incredible from losing the fight, clearly, to coming back and getting, you know, definitely the most brutal knockout of Lee Wood's career. As for Michael Conlon, it's a very, 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 very tough place he finds himself in now. You know, a guy that, of course, had all the promise when he turned pro. Um, definitely a future world champion in many people's eyes. And he's he's been quite careful. He's been treading water, as I like to say. As I've said many times, I'm getting a little bit like a broken record now. But Shakur Stevenson and Michael Conlon both turned pro at the same time. And it was, you know, a possible fight for the future. Uh, they were both going to be fighting one day, you know, against each other with world titles unifying or whatever. And it's not going to be happening now, of course. Um, Shakur Stevenson has done what he's done, become a two-weight world champion. And Michael Conlon had the best chance you will get. That's no disrespect to Lee Wood, but you're not going to get a better chance to become a world champion or at least hold a version of a world title here, the regular WBA belt. And... Um, yeah, Michael Conlon knocked out like that. You know, it's it's a tough one. He wants the rematch. I can understand why he'd want the rematch. But if you're Lee Wood, what's the point? You know, you were losing the fight. You weren't going to be outboxing Conlon. And you, you managed to get a knockout with about a minute and a half left of the 36 minutes of action. So, um, yeah, you came very close to losing. Um, so you don't want that again. I don't think that he needs to take that fight again. Just move on, I'd say, for Lee Wood. Um but by the way, I will say that two of the judges had Lee Wood down by just a point going into that 12th round, and it looked like he was going to win that 12th round the way he started it. So you'd you'd imagine if they gave him that round as well, then two of the judges would have had it a draw, and it wouldn't have mattered about the other card, which I think was wide to Conlon. So it would have ended in a draw, uh, a split draw, majority draw, whatever, and Lee Wood would have kept his title, providing he would have won that 12th round, which I think was clear he was going to do. So not much of an uproar. You know, a lot of people were angry about that, but that just is what it is. Um, this one took place on Sunday. It is the final card to mention of the review part of the show. It took place on Sunday in Ontario, Canada. It wasn't on TV. It was at the Rebel Entertainment Complex. A bit of a shocker for me. Samuel Vargas, 31-7 and with two draws. It was his 40th, um, 41st pro fight, sorry. Um, he lost a unanimous decision over 10 rounds for the vacant IBO International welterweight title against Prism Slorinowski, former opponent of Josh Kelly and Michael McKinson. He lost to both of those guys on points, but he managed to beat Samuel Vargas here, which is, you know, definitely the best win of his career. So I'm really pleased for him because he's very much an opponent, you know, a, a durable, tough non-puncher of an opponent. But he's managed to pick up a good win against Vargas there, who you'd probably say should, you know, hang him up, I think. Now, losing to this guy here, very surprising for me. And also, you know, the way he got absolutely obliterated in a round by Connor Ben, you'd say that he doesn't have much left to offer to the sport and it's getting dangerous for him. That's it, though, for the review part of the show. The final thing for me to do is to welcome our special guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated WBC International Silver Lightweight Champion. It is, of course, Mr. Sam Noakes. Sam, welcome to the show, my man. Thanks, mate. Glad to be here. 
Hey, it's my pleasure to have you on. So, Sam, you're boxing this Saturday at the Wembley Arena on this Avenesian Mets undercard. We'll get to that shortly. Um, first, I want to talk about your pro journey thus far. Obviously, 8-0, eight, and oh, eight KOs. Uh, your gym mate, Archie Sharp's a good friend of mine. He's told me your hands are like bricks. Um, were you stopping people in the amateurs frequently, Sam, or are you just better suited to the pros? No, I was uh, I was stopping people in the amateurs as well. Like I ended up, I think I had fifty three wins, and twenty six of them were stoppages. And I mean, for an amateur, wow, that's a uh, that's a lot of uh, stoppages to get. Yeah, that's incredible. And obviously, you've been a pro now for just under two and a half years. I think it's this month. Um, you've boxed some of the more known journeymen in the UK. Uh, to become yeah. a well-known journeyman, you have to be durable. You have to very rarely allow yourself to get stopped. However, you've been knocking these journeymen out that don't get knocked out. Um, it's amazing for your career, but not so much their career. You've probably been responsible for some of these fights falling through because they're not allowed to fight for a month afterwards. Yeah, no. <laughs> I always remember my uh, my first one was with uh, Chris Hadaway. Yeah. He said uh, he said to me afterwards, he said you made me lose out on a bit of money on the uh, Warren and undercard. <laughs> I said, oh sorry, mate. It's near. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember if it was near Christmas or not. I did feel a little bit bad, but you got to do what you got to do, didn't you? Absolutely. And yeah, just to recap again for the listeners, as you mentioned, your debut against Chris Adaway, um, he retired on his store after round three. Uh, to this day, he's only been stopped eight times in 71 losses. Uh, you stopped Lee Connolly, who's only been stopped eight times in 72 losses. And of course, Naeem Ali, who's only been stopped three times in 81 losses. Um, some people might not appreciate this, but I certainly do. I mean, they're all learning fights. Your career, obviously, yeah. is a man if I'm not a sprint, to knock out one guy who doesn't get stopped often is impressive, but to do it to all of those guys and more is insane. Um, well, I, I always remember going up against Neem Ali, yeah, he, obviously I was the first one to stop him Yeah. and I remember thinking, because obviously he fought uh, middleweight more for his career than anything, I think he always used to fight the bigger boys and I thought oh, I've got a little bit of a tricky one here but obviously, just come in. And when that, when I got that one, I was happy with that one. Because I always remember Al said, he said, oh, I don't think you'll stop him in the corner. <laughs> and I was like, all right, challenge accepted. <laughs> Excellent, man. And of course, your last your last fight took place in December. Um, first time you'd gone over five rounds, of course. Sean Cooper took you into the ninth of a scheduled ten. I honestly thought you might end up going the distance for the, for the first time. Uh, you did manage to get the knockout. Did you also think you might have been going the full ten and not getting the stoppage? Yeah, I think um, I was a little bit wary of how I'd feel in the later rounds. But I remember when I got to the eighth, just as I stood off the stall, I remember I heard my brother shout, right, three more rounds. Like, you've got three more rounds. And I thought, yeah, I can do I can do a quick three. And I remember just putting uh, putting my foot on the gas pedal a little bit. And then it come off. I think I caught him with a good left hook. And then that sort of unraveled him a little bit. Yeah, no, it was another great win, and of course, important to bank the rounds. Um, on to the next one. This Saturday at Wembley Arena, you'll be defending your title against Vincenzo Fianello of Italy. Um, his record's 15-4 and four with two draws, never been stopped, scheduled for 10 again. Um, it'll only be the second Southpaw you've boxed as a pro, the other one being Delmar Thomas, who only lasted a round. How do you see this fight playing out, and what should fans expect from you in this performance, sir? Uh, well, I think I reckon I'm going to stop him. Well, I want to stop him anyway, but I think uh, I'm going to go at it with a different mindset with this one because obviously, like last one with the Sean Cooper was like quite a controlled performance, yeah, because I was a little bit wary of how I'd be in the later rounds. But now I know I can do it. I'm just going to go back to the usual like fast pace, 
fast start. Do you know what I mean? And just keep the pressure on. And I mean, I know he's never been stopped, but I've got a good record with blokes who have never been stopped. So I reckon I can. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even mind fighting South Force. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me. If anything, I, don't, I prefer. Like I've got brilliant South Force firing in the gym and Elliot Whale, Dennis McCann, Henry. Do you know what I mean? So he's not going to be as tricky as them boys. And most people say they don't go into a fight looking for a knockout. They say if it comes, it comes. Um, Anthony Yard is completely the other way. He tells me that he doesn't ever want to let it go to the judges. Do you go into a fight looking for a knockout or not, Sam? I think there's like fine, there's a fine line between wanting it and looking for it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I think like obviously I always want to stop him, and I've, I've said um. I said I want to get my first like ten fights, ten KOs. So it's in the back of my head anyway. But I feel like you know, as in when you try too hard, like you can keep the pressure on and obviously select your shots right. And I mean, rather than loading up straight away looking for that one punch knockout, like I'll quite happily throw three or four light ones at a time, and then just get that one big one when it's needed. Do you know what I mean? Get the devastating blow at the right time. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And how many fights, Sam, ideally, do you want to have in 2022? Obviously, this is your first of the year. Uh, you're having 10 rounders now, though, so I'm sure you're not going to be as active of yeah. you as you have been. But how many this year would you like, ideally? I think I'll probably end up having three. Four would be nice, but I reckon I'll probably end up having three, to be honest with you. But I want to be as active as possible, really, because I don't want to be just waiting about. And I mean, I train all the time. It's not like I have months off or anything. Like I'll have a week off. And then that's me because I, I just enjoy training. I enjoy being in the gym. Even sometimes it's nice to be in the gym when you're you're not training for a fight. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you can just go down there with with your mates, just do whatever you want, whatever you feel like doing on the day. So I don't, I'm ready whenever for most fights, but I reckon it'll probably be pre. I imagine I mean, one in the summer and then uh, probably the back end of the year. Yeah, I guess so. And what kind of level? do you see yourself at right now, Sam? I know it's a tricky question because obviously, you know, you've picked up a, a WBC uh, silver title. Obviously, you know, people kind of think along the traditional route of British and English, those kind of levels. But the way you're blowing away these kind of journeymen that other, you know, guys that are kind of, I guess, ranked higher than you couldn't do. I mean, it's so confusing. Where do you see yourself, though? That's the question. Uh, I reckon I can mix it with the best of them, to be honest with you. But my honest opinion on it would really, I need to get some tougher rounds because like, I'm not worried about these boys in the skill set of things. Like, I'm not. But, you know, like, so first say, for example, for a British title, yeah? It'd be 12 rounds, yeah? And it'll be with, a, well, Gavin Gwynn or one of, I can't remember the, the other fighter's name, but he boxed Ryan Solon. But um, their season pros, they've gone 12, 12 hard rounds. You know what I'm saying? And I think... You need, you need that. You can't because uh, you get the prospects going. Oh, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Like, probably skill wise, they are. But I think when you get dragged into a, into a rough old fight, and then you're ten rounds, and you've got another two, it's, it's you, you can't train for that unless you're, you've done it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, it's an interesting one hearing you say that as well because, um, yeah, there are so many amazing fights, of course, that can be made and it's it's so difficult because you've got like, you know, I'm going to compare you for a, mo for a moment here with Daniel Dubois, let's say, a guy who's blowing everyone away and then no one's sure where his level is. People think he's going to be the next coming of Mike Tyson. We see him get in with Joe Joyce. Finally, we kind of see an indicator of where his level may be. With you, it's, it's similar because people are... You know, that's, that's what I'm saying. 
they're right. We're rightly so getting carried away because the people you're stopping, by the way, there's not really any heavyweight journeymans that Daniel Dubois blew out. He got he got rid of guys that have been stopped before. What you've done is incredible. Well, thank you very much, mate. I appreciate that. But I think that's that's what I'm saying. I think you get everyone's in such a hurry. Do you know what I mean? Like. I'm a very confident person. Like this is like me saying that's not self doubt or anything like that. Yeah, it's more just you've got to be realistic. Like you've got to give these seasoned pros, like regardless if you think they're skillful or whatever, you've got to give them the respect they deserve. Like Gavin Gwynn, for example, he is a very very tough man, and obviously that's like he's durable. And I mean, like if he's there after you've been hitting him for eight nine rounds, and then you've got to do another three or four with him, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, because obviously Sean McComb fought him, didn't he? And he obviously like went into that fight and then obviously ended up getting stopped in the uh, seventh round. Yeah. So, is that through lack of doing them tough rounds? It's, it's a tough game. I mean, like, I always, always remember Archie always said, well, I mean, when he, when I first, when he first came in the gym, he said, uh, if you can't rush up, like, once you're up there, you're up there. Like, you, that's it. You don't want to rush up there and then, like, come unstuck. You want to just take your time, do everything properly. Do you know what I'm saying? Because once, nowadays, once you get one loss, everyone just thinks you're old news. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And another thing that Archie, I don't think, made up the quote, but he's, he's told me before, he likes to always say and always remind me, 20 to learn, 20 to earn. I'm sure he's told you that one as well. Yeah, I remember. I think that's a big Al Smith one, that is. <laughs> there we go. Credit to Al. Um, coming down to my final couple questions for you, Sam. Um, I just wanted to ask, again, it might be a little bit premature, but is is there anyone on your radar? I mean, as I say, we've got some great names at Lightweight domestically. There's some mouth-watering fights. Uh, I'm not one on my radar, really. Like, I don't really look at other fighters thinking, oh, I want to fight. Like, I don't I don't pick my fights, you know what I'm saying? I'll go in the gym and Al, Al, Al will tell me who I'm fighting and I'll do it. Like, to be honest, I'll more look at as in titles. Like, I want to get if if I could get a British title by the end of the year or beginning of the next, that would be perfect. Like, I don't care who it's against. Do you know what I mean? It's like, but I do want that British belt. Like, that's like the first of the meaningful ones. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm over the moon to have a have a belt already. But you know, like if you put in comparison the WBC silver compared to the British title, like you think that British is something special. I think I think if you win that as a fighter, that's 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 something special. Yeah, a lot of history. It's a beautiful belt as well. Yeah. I'm sure you're going to have one eye on April 15th, uh, Luke Willis and uh, Gavin Gwynn, obviously. Getting oh, I'll be I'll be there anyway, because Pierce O'Leary and Elliot Ware are on that, on that show, so I'll be at that one. Excellent. And I will, excellent. Be, I will be watching that. Okay, and just finally, Sam, before we let you go, if you've got any closing words at all, uh, the floor's yours. Say whatever you like before we wrap it up. Uh, and also remember to give the listeners your uh, social media handles where they can follow you. Uh, you put me on the spot here a little bit. I ain't a man of any words, I suppose. But uh, tune in. Watch me Saturday defend my, my first title defence. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. What's your you ins- get me on what's, social media yeah. or just on Instagram, Sam Noakes. And that's it, really. Yeah, Instagram is Sam underscore Noakes, so S-A-M underscore N-O-A-K-E, and it's got two S's, so S-S there, Sam Noakes on Instagram. Listen, Sam, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, my man. Thank you for your time. Best of luck on Saturday, and we'll speak sometime after, I'm sure. Thanks very much, mate. Appreciate it.
Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start here with this piece of news. Uh, Jason Cunningham will be making his, I believe it's his first offence of the European title. He gets in with uh, the unbeaten uh, Frenchman, Terry Lecouvier. Uh, that one to take place April 16th, live on BT Sport. It's going to be at the Telford International Arena, so good stuff there for Jason Cunningham. Um, also, in other news, Bakudir Jalilov has joined Probellum. Um, you know, signed with Probellum now, so he will be fighting on their cards. That's who he's with promotionally. Um, in other news, Echo Essiman will be taking on Darren Tetley. That one to take place on the 29th of April at York Hall. That's going to be a good fight there. Echo Essiman really impressing me. Um, he'll be defending there his British Commonwealth and IBF uh, European welterweight titles there. Um, in other news, let's mention this one here. Uh, Matram will be going back to Spain. I think they've got two cards that they've announced over there. We're going to start with this one. Sandor Martin coming off that excellent win last time out against uh, Mikey Garcia. He gets in with Jose Felix for the WBA International Super Lightweight title. That date is April the 1st. And the other date for the Spain Matram cards, we're going to see JJ Metcalf stepping in against Kerman Lejarraga. That one to take place. May 20th in Bilbao. Uh, so two Matrum Spain cards there. Also, Matrum Italy have announced two cards as well. Um, the first one to take place April 22nd. We're going to see um, Daniele... I think it's Daniele Scardina, if I'm not mistaken. No, he's in the, the, the May 13th one. Sorry, let's start with that one. May 13th. Daniele Scardina gets in with Giovanni De Carolis. And April 22nd is... Um, We've got um, Ivan Zucho, I think it is. He gets in with Marco Nikolic. So, again, match from Italy back with two cards there. Um, yeah, a great schedule as well. I'm going to come to you, Eddie, for your your take on this, but a great schedule that Showtime have announced. All these fights are going to be on Showtime, and I think some of them are going to, going to be on Showtime pay-per-view, if I'm not mistaken. Not too sure which ones are pay-per-view, but anyway, here is the list. I'm going to start here, and you can tell me which ones you're most looking forward to. First fight night for Showtime PBC, um, March 26th, so not this weekend, but next. We've got Tim Su, the son of Kosazu, getting in with Terrell Gaucher, the, the American Olympian. Um, April 9th, we've got Erickson Lubin getting in with Sebastian Fundora. That's going to be a great fight. April 16th, Errol Spence gets in with your Dennis Ugas there for the WBC, WBA, and IBF welterweight world titles. Um, May the 14th, we've got the rematch between Jamel Charlo and Brian Castaño. Uh, May 21st, we've got the Battle of the Davids. We've got David Benavidez getting in with David Lemieux there for the WBC Super Middleweight Interim World Title. Um, May 28th, this is the week after, we get to see it is finally rescheduled. Javante Tank Davis getting in with Rolando Romero for the WBA Lightweight World Title. A brilliant fight for June 4th between Stephen Fulton and Daniel Roman for the WBO and WBC Super Bantamweight World Titles. June the 18th, we've got Jamal Charlo getting in with Maciel Sulecki. 
for the WBC middleweight world title. And then July 9th, Mark Magseo coming off his win um, a few weeks back over Gary Russell Jr. He defends against the unbeaten former WBC champion of the world, Ray Vargas. So a good schedule there. Anything you're particularly looking forward to, Eddie? I'm guessing it has to be Fulton and Danny Roman. I mean, wow. Yeah, that, that's 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 one of them. I mean, obviously, I want to see my hometown guy do do really well, and it's a good, that's a good, pretty big, interesting fight for him. And but is Erickson done? Did I hear Erickson Lubin is fighting? Um, Sebastian Fundora, yeah. Sebastian Fundora, the six foot, yeah, the really, towering really, inferno, yep. Yeah, I really like Erickson Lubin. Man. I love his his game, way way the way he fights. He's so professional. So he got sharp. Yeah, he got he got he. Got, he generally has great punch selection you know it's just this is going to be crazy tough it's going to be a different kind of kind of tough for him you know what i mean because this guy's so rangy so big you know what i mean he fights at range but he also likes to you know come and get involved so he'll have opportunities and that's interesting i mean i and i and and, and i would i just i kind of want to watch it i'm going to have a little bit of a rooting interest because i want to see even though you know sebastian fundor is fun to you know he's fun to watch he's a He's he's not a sideshow, but he's it's just an interesting thing because he's so tall. And, but uh, man, it, I really like Lubin. I really like his game, um, as well as uh, you know the the fight between uh, Spence and uh, and uh, what's my guy's name? Dennis Ugas. I like that fight. I like that fight. I, I'm st- I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna obviously lean towards Spence because you know. I'm not saying it because I feel like Ugas is not, you know, the one of the best there. I think he is, but I just think Spence the way he is and, and he shows up on big nights. You know, every time I've seen him fight a major fight, he's he's always stepped up to the plate. He's done it time and again. You know, in, in crucial moments in fights as well. Um, who could forget the, the the Sean Porter Spence card? Even though a lot of people thought Sean got that, which you know is possible, but he still was there. He was still putting in the effort. Um, he's just, you know, even, and even after the accident, he still looked awesome in my opinion against Danny Garcia. Um, uh, but, but, uh, you guys is a problem. He's, he's another guy that, that shows up and he's, he's, he's still got people. He still seems to be like, he, he still has that chip on his shoulder to prove himself because a lot of people tend to overlook him. You know what I mean? Cause he's not one of the marquee names that everybody, you know, thinks about in that division. You know, even though he fought Pacquiao and he, and he got the win over Pacquiao, he's still, I think he still has a little bit more proven to do. And they're looking, oh, well, he beat Pacquiao, but he beat Pacquiao. He's an old Pacquiao. You know what I mean? I don't know if he'll he'll be able to actually do that against, you know, a Spence or, or one of these other guys. So now he has the opportunity to prove it. It's an exciting thing to 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 to, to look at and to see soon. Um, I hear a, char, a, a, a the fight with Charlo and was it uh, Brian Brian Casta. Castellano, I think. Uh, you ain't Castellano. got the pronunciation I've got, but go on. I don't. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you're pretty good. You're pretty good with that. That's interesting, too. That's another one. That's another one I want to watch. You know, I want to see. I, I, I just want to keep. I want to see the Charlo boys tested. You know, I mean, they got, a, they, got, they got big personalities and attitudes. And, you know what I mean? I want to see them have to back it up. You know what I'm saying? I want them in big, interesting fights like like these. Um, and you know, it just, it just makes for interesting TV and interesting boxing. I'm I'm just enjoying all of these. I know I'm forgetting, uh, I'm forgetting probably a couple, but you know, the, the, those are the main ones. Of course, the senior Fulton one I want to see, 
the uh, the Erickson Lugan and, and, and Sebastian Condor. I definitely want to see that, and uh, you know, and a few of the others. Obviously, obviously, just Spence and you guys another. But I mean, there's a few. There's a few I probably only remember that you mentioned. I'm like, oh crap, salivate for that too. But oh, David Benavidez and David Lemieux. Mm. I know, and most likely, David Benavidez is going to slaughter him, and you know, and I, and I, I could see that. But his punching power, even though he's just he's a lot past it now, is still a factor. So you just can't just go to sleep on him because Benavidez is a tough guy. He's going to try to come and try to dominate him and try to take every aspect of the whole, you know, the entire the out, entire fight out of him. So that may mean you know some some exchanges, some ex- interesting you know dangerous points for him, and it's just you know it's another interesting kind of card to go along in this this slew of. <laughs> Of craziness with 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 these fights upcoming, so I'm happy to I'm happy that I can get a chance to see it. Yeah, me too. It's a great schedule from Showtime. I mean, I'm just going to run through them. Uh, just in my opinion, I really like the Tim Su and Terrell Gaucher fight. I think that's a great opportunity for Tim Su, who obviously isn't just the son of, of of a legend. I think he is kind of stepping out of that shadow of his father. He seems to be the goods. Erickson Lubin, Sebastian Fundora, cracking fight. Love it. Absolutely love mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. Charlo Castagno to see another fight between them two is fantastic the first one was really close a lot of people felt Castagno did enough most people actually felt he did enough Benavidez Lemieux I love Benavidez been on the show a few times really cool guy but not overly looking forward to that one I think you know he's gonna just have too much for Lemieux especially up at um, you know obviously it's super middleweight I think Lemieux definitely not a super middleweight and especially going in with such a big super middle like Benavidez Javon Davis Romero, it is what it is. It'll be fun while it lasts. Stephen, oh, yeah. Stephen Fulton, Danny Roman, going to be a great, great fight. It's another busy style, just like Figueroa for Fulton to to deal with. I think he's he's had a great fight with with Figueroa there to prepare himself for this kind of style. Uh, Jamal Charlo Selecki, not really interested in that one, unfortunately. And Magseo against Vargas, um, I'm not over overly excited about that one. Um, a, a little side note about Errol Spence and you. Ugas as well. You mentioned Ugas obviously coming off a great win over Pacquiao. Um, really happy for him to get the opportunity as well. I'm a big fan of Ugas. Doesn't speak a word of English, but everything he posts on social media is translated to English. So he caters for his UK speaking, or not UK, English speaking fans, whether they're from the UK or, or US or wherever. Um, I like him. I really like him. He's a cool guy. Um, doesn't really do anything outstanding. He just does all the basics well. He's one of those kind of fighters, like a, I guess, like a Badu Jack. Doesn't do anything amazing, but has all the basics, you know, down to a T. Um, but yes, yeah, a big ask against against Errol Spence, who I think. I think for a lot of the the fights, Errol Spence athleticism wins him a lot of these fights, and I think it could come into play here. And another little side note for Jamel Charlo Castagno, two on the undercard, an IBF welterweight title eliminator between Jerron Ennis and the undefeated Canadian Custio Clayton, who of course um, is 19 and 0 with one draw. That draw against Lipanets as well, a draw over 12 rounds there for the IBF interim world welterweight title, a man, of course, who Jerron Ennis shared the ring with as well, so there's that common opponent there, but anyway, moving on to the preview part of the show, let's get into this, 
Um, let's try and go for it quite quickly here. This one starts uh, tomorrow night, Friday 18th of March at the Duty Free Tennis Stadium in Dubai. Uh, we've got John O'Carroll, 21-2 and with a draw, friend of the show in a 10-rounder against Serif Gurdijek, who is 21-6. and We've got Shabazz Masood, a young prospect who I don't want to say he's training with someone because I think I might get it wrong, but I've heard a lot about this guy and I think he's trained by, I don't want to say it because I might get it wrong, but I think I know his trainer, 9-0 and in a 10-rounder against Yon Boyo, who's got a tremendously looking uh, padded padded record, 43-6. and um, I can't remember who he got in with Boyo, I want to say it was someone like, um, oh man, it might have been Anthony Crawler or someone like that, I'm sure I've seen him before, but anyway, massive, massive step up for Shabazz Masood, even if the, the opponent does have a padded record. A really fun heavyweight fight on the card as well. Jalalov, as I mentioned in the, in the news part, he's signed with Probellum. He's 9-0 and with 9 KOs. He's in an 8-rounder here against Camille Sokolowski. 11-25 and with two draws. That could be fun there. Um, elsewhere on the card, we have Estelle Yoka Mosley. She is the wife of Tony Yoka and also an Olympic gold medalist. She is the IBO world female lightweight uh, champion. She gets in with Yanina del Carmen Lescano, who is 10 and 1 over 10 2 minute rounds there. And also on the card, Oshiki Foster, 18 and 2, a man that Regis Progre has been telling me how good he is for years and years. He gets his chance here to perform against Mohamed Kuja Yakubov, who's 18 and 0, the undefeated fighter. And um, he was formerly ranked number one in the world with a WBO at Super Featherweight. He's now number two. Oshiki Foster as well. You know, closing in, I guess, on, on some kind of a title shot. So this is a great fight. It really is between two world-ranked fighters here. Uh, that's it for Dubai. Moving out now to... We're going down under here to the Star Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. Friend of the show, former IBF featherweight world champion Billy Dibb, 47 and 6 these days. Still fighting despite retiring in the ring after losing to Tevin Farmer. I remember him giving his post-fight interview in the ring and he was in tears. It made me sad. I like Billy Dibb, really nice guy. I remember having him on the show years ago and he was opening up to me about uh, the, the very tragic loss of his wife when he lost his wife. Uh, to cancer, and uh, it was a terrible story. He was sleeping on the floor of the hospital next to her in bed. Uh, you know, a former world champion sleeping on the hospital floor with his with his wife, who had about something like a month to live when they found the you know the diag the diagnosed uh, when they diagnosed her. Sorry, with with cancer, it was it was terrible. Uh, Billy Dib, lovely guy, and um, you know got got a place in my heart for him ever since that. He gets in with an undefeated fighter called Jacob. And I don't know how to pronounce his surname because it's just N-G. So I don't know if it's Jacob Ng or just Jacob Nug. I've got no idea, but we're going to just call him Jacob. 15-0 is for the IBF International Lightweight title and the WBO Oriental Lightweight title. All the best there to Billy Dibb. Up at lightweight, boy oh boy. Um, moving out now to another part of Australia. This one takes place at the Melbourne Pavilion in Victoria, Australia. Over here, former world champion Sam Solomon, 47-16 and 16 with a draw in an eight-rounder against Jesse White, who's 6-2 and two for the vacant Australia Victoria State middleweight title. Fine for a state title here. 
Um, okay, this one takes place on Saturday night at the Gimnasio Municipal. Jose Neri Santos, Cuidad Juarez, Chihuahua, Mexico. There you go. Everyone's been waiting weeks for that. But um, it's a sneaky fight here on the undercard. It's not even the main event as far as I'm aware. It's a very snuck into Mexico here. Jose Zapida, one of the best fighters uh, at 140. 35 and 2, his record in a 10 rounder here against Francisco Javier Perez, who's 18 and 12 with a draw. Very sneaky fight there, gone under the radar massively. This one takes place back in Dubai at the Duty Free Tennis Stadium. So there's a fight card there on Friday and Saturday. We did the Friday one, here's the Saturday one. Top of the bill, Sonny Edwards, 17. 0 defending his IBF World Flyweight title against Mohamed Wasim, who's 12 and 1. Supposed to be a really good fight, that one, but Sonny Edwards, um, I really enjoy watching him, to be honest with you. So hard to hit the guy. Um, definitely one of the best fighters we have, pound for pound, in the UK, and obviously a flyweight. Um, you know, with a lot of skills. I think possibly the best flyweight in the world. Um, elsewhere on the card, friend of the show, Regis Progre, 26-1 in a 10-rounder against Tyrone McKenna, 22-2 with a draw. I'm looking at the odds on that fight. I can see Progre getting the stoppage there. I really want to see if that's worth betting on. Uh, elsewhere on the card, we've got TJ Doheny, former world champion, 22-3 in a 10-rounder against Cesar Juarez, who's 27-10. Um, that's about it really for that card. Moving out now to the Wembley Arena in Wembley, London, United Kingdom. Topping the bill over here, David Avanesian, friend of the show, 28-3 and with a draw in a 12-rounder against Oscari Metz, who's 15-0, and a defence here of Avanesian's EBU European welterweight title. Um, it's a keep-busy fight. I think there's big fights that, you know, him and the team are chasing, and this is kind of just a fight to stay active. I think he's supposed to beat this guy. I don't know much about this guy, to be honest, but it's another undefeated fighter, and um, I'm expecting Avanesian to look good. Elsewhere on the card, a really good fight, actually. This could be really interesting. Hamza Shiraz, 14-0, coming off that controversial win last time out against Bradley Skeet. He's in a 10-rounder against Jez Smith, 13-4 with the draw. Jez Smith being been given quite a bit of notice for this fight, so that's quite dangerous. This one's for the vacant WBC International Silver Middleweight title. Elsewhere on the card, we spoke to him a few moments ago. Sam Noakes, 8-0 with 8 KOs in a 10-rounder against Vincenzo Finiello, who's 15-4 with two draws. This one for Noakes' WBC International Silver Lightweight title. We've also got Mark Chamberlain, 9-0 in a 10-rounder against Jeff Afori, former opponent of Archie Sharp, 11-3 with a draw. We've got Louis Lin, 10-0 in a 10-rounder against James Beach Jr., 14-2 there for the WBC International Silver Featherweight title. We've got Dennis McCann, 11-0 in an 8-rounder against Charles Tondo, who's 12-4 with two draws for the vacant WBO Youth Bantamweight title. Um, I think we've also got Sonny List and Ali as well on the card, 2-0 in a six-rounder against Lee Glover, who's 11-8, best name in boxing, Sonny List and Ali. Um, that's a good card. I really, really, really like that card. I really do like that card. Again, that's going to be at the Wembley Arena on BT Sport this Saturday. Um, moving out now to the Hilton Hotel in Newcastle, friend of the show and friend of Eddie's, Dave the White Rhino Allen, 19-5 and five with two draws in a four-rounder against Milan Paunov, who's 5-8. and eight. All the best there to Big Dave Allen. Um, 
Coming down to the final two cards, this one takes place at the USC Galen Center in Los Angeles, California. Unfortunately, the main event's fallen through, you know, with about two or three or four days out from the fight night, which is devastating, really. The main event was supposed to be Virgil Ortiz Jr. defending, um, well, I don't think he had a belt, but fighting our very own undefeated Michael McKinson. It was going to be... A really exciting fight. It was going to be interesting to see how, um, how uh, you know, how Ortiz would deal with McKinson's style. McKinson's very tricky style. But obviously it's fallen through and Ortiz was rushed to hospital with, with a condition. I've forgotten what it's called now, but it's very, very serious. I've heard that you can, like, uh, you know, you, you can, in some bad cases you'd have to have a part of your body amputated and stuff like that it's it's like poison in in his in his blood flow or whatever um they've they've caught it early but obviously the fight's no, no longer going ahead um prayers up to Virgil Ortiz Jr was you going to say something Eddie I was going to ask was it his um his was it his appendix appendix first thing was that was that what it was his appendix um, no, I was, I, I was... no, I I've forgotten what it's called now. It was something tricky. Um, um, it is, oh God, um, rab, rabdomiolysis or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't, I'm not familiar. Yeah. I, I was just wondering if it was something like that because I, you know, I, I was thinking something similarly with with the appendix. But yeah, I got you. Yeah, it can. Um, it's basically a breakdown of of muscle tissue that releases a damaging protein into the blood, and you know, um, it can be really dangerous. Uh, it says here this muscle tissue breakdown results in a release of a protein into the blood, and it can damage the kidneys as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's, it's a terrible thing there. Prayers up to him, and obviously devastated for Michael McKinson, who's had a great camp, flown over there to the U.S., and then a few few days before the fight, the biggest fight of his career, by the way, it, it's just been snatched from him. Um, and I don't think he's going to be fighting on the card now. But elsewhere on the card, we've got Alexis Rocha, who is 18-1 and in a 10-rounder against the undefeated friend of the show, 15-0 and with a draw, Blair Cobbs. Uh, Blair Cobbs as well has called out McKinson, said fight me instead, but um, he's fighting Alexis Rocha, who by the way, some people are actually tipping to beat Cobbs, we shall see. Um, we've got Bektamir Melikuziev, 8-1, still carrying that one loss where he was devastatingly knocked out by Gabe Rosado. He gets in with David Zagara, who's 34-7. and Um... We've also got our very own Ramla Ali on the card, 4-0 in an eight-round uh, contest, eight two-minute rounds against Shelley Barnett, who's 5-6 and six with two draws. I think Ramla Ali's still managed by Anthony Joshua. And moving out now to the Madison Square Garden Theatre, New York, USA. On the undercard, we have Xander Zayez, the highly touted prospect from Puerto Rico, 12-0 in an eight-rounder against Quincy Laves, who's 12-2 with a draw. Uh, nothing really else on the on the undercard to mention. I'm going to come to the main event, and I'm going to come straight to you, Eddie, because you are more, I guess, recently updated on the opponent. But let's talk about the main man uh, in, in the home corner, Edgar Balanga, 18 
16 and 0. This one's for the WBO, NABO super middleweight title. Obviously, we remember Edgar Belanga at one point absolutely blowing everyone away that stepped in the ring with him. He was 16 and 0 with 16 first round knockouts, and then the invincibility disappeared. He went the distance with Demond Nicholson, who most people thought he'd stop. And then after that, he went the distance and was dropped against the Argentinian Marcelo Esteban Coseres, who we remember as well, I think, gave a little bit of trouble to Billy Joe Saunders, if I'm not mistaken, um, if I remember correctly. But anyway, Billy Joe Saunders was able to stop him, though. And again, he goes a distance and gets dropped, Belanga. So he's 18-0, 16 first-round KOs, but the last two fights haven't been that impressive. He gets in with former Triple G victim, Steve Rose. Talk to me, Eddie. How does the fight play out? Honestly, I see Steve Rose. Um, I know you're not the biggest fan little, of Steve you know, Rose. It's not to say he's not, you know, I'm not, I don't want to seem like it's just antagonistic towards what he is as a fighter, but, you know, he has experience. He has uh, certain levels of ability, you know, but I just think in this kind of a situation with this kind of fighter in front of him, I just don't think it's going to be much opposition. And that's just my opinion. Um, Belanga has obviously had some recent tough fights, but these that's what that's boxing. Eventually they're all gonna run into those tough fights. Once you start stepping into the into the limelight, you're gonna start fighting guys you recognize. You're gonna see guys across the ring from you that you only seen on television. You know what I mean? And you've heard of. Uh you've heard of and obviously you've seen some of them you've probably fought, you know, came up fighting with, but in those cases, some other cases you're gonna see people across the ring that you even somewhat idolized. You know what I mean? So, you know, you're going to face uh, uh, the, the kind of opposition that could take you out. And it's just as part of it. It just comes with the territory. If you can keep winning and keep moving on, you'll be okay. I just don't see no disrespect to this guy. I just don't see Steve Rolls as being enough of a speed bump that's going to put him in, you know, in, 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 I, don't, I, I just don't see. Now, I watched Steve Rolls in his last fight, um, you know, with a, a, you know, a little known guy who's just a you know keep busy fighting. He obviously looked good for for what was in front of him, but we all know that you know you're a product of your competition. If your competition is is up and you do well against it, then okay, bam, you're then you then you're respected. I'm not saying that he hasn't done well in other fights with better competition, but it's just what I've seen. His ability, certain things that he does, I just don't see it posing too much of a problem. That's not no disrespect to Steve Rose. He's a professional. He's a professional at a fairly high level. I just don't think, in my humble opinion, my honest opinion, that he's going to give uh, Edgar Belanga the the, the 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 kind of problems that you know maybe I don't know a few people may think. You know, I just think I, I think he's a, he's just on another level than him. No disrespect. Yeah, it's a fair point. It is a fair point. The nicest thing I can say about Steve Rolls is that he and Edgar Belanga both share a common opponent in Damond Nicholson. And obviously, Damond Nicholson was the first person to take Belanga the distance, and he lost um, by decision. And also, Steve Rolls beat um, Damond Nicholson 
on decision as well. And Rolls actually dropped Nicholson in the first round, whereas Belanga, the big puncher, with with all 16 KOs in the first round, didn't drop Demond Nicholson. So uh, that's the only thing I can say about Rolls that that you know makes him look kind of cool there. But other than that, he is 37 years of age. He is really and truly a middleweight, not a super middleweight. And the one fight that you know was the highlight of his career was the fight against Golovkin, where Golovkin just pretty much ran him over. To be honest, I say ran him over. He, you know, he, he hung in there. He showed some guts. He showed some toughness. He showed some skills. Really, um, there's argument that he won one of the three rounds that were completed before the knockout in the fourth round. But when he got knocked out, he really did get knocked out. And uh, you know, it was what it was. But all the best to both guys there. I don't really care who wins, but um, be interesting to see if Belanga can can get another knockout. We shall see. That's about the only excitement in it for me. I think there's a lot of bets possibly for this weekend. There's a lot of action all over the place. So perhaps I'll um, put together some kind of accumulator or, as they say in the US, a parlay for our listeners. If anyone wants uh, my picks, then hit me up. But anyway, that is it, though, for part two. In part one, we did the review part and we had our special guest, Sam Noakes. In part two, we did the new and I've just wrapped up the preview part just there with Eddie. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 335 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our special guest this week, the undefeated knockout artist, Mr. Sam Noakes. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. There has been one or two pieces of news break whilst we've been recording the show. Friend of the show, Michaela Mayer, will be defending her unified world titles against recent Katie Taylor opponent, Jennifer Han. Uh, That one goes down in Costa Mesa on April 9th. In other news, Fraser Clark has been forced out of his proposed fight next weekend due to a hand injury, wishing him a speedy recovery. And lastly, the Errol Spence UGAS undercard has partially been announced. We're going to see Isaac Cruz take on Yuriorkis Gamboa, so two former opponents of Javante Davis. Jose Valenzuela takes on Francisco Vargas, and Cody Crowley takes on Josecito Lopez. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe. And we shall see you all again next week.